1: Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. and welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. So, for today's episode, before we get started, we did want to put a trigger warning at the top um, for grief, loss, and death, and certainly, I will say, take this seriously if you're if you're struggling with. Um, Any kind of loss in your life or grief uh, because I cried researching this episode and I Mm -hmm. honestly, it takes a lot to make me cry for research. So (laughs) uh, just put that out there. Yeah. Um, And this is a listener suggestion, so thanks for sending. Um, um, This listener wrote in about being, quote, that girl that lost their partner, Um, being in a triad and the different ways of coping with shared grief, how to live with it, how it impacts you for the rest of your life, and how everyone wants to fix you, but they don't know how. So, yes, we're talking about grief and loss of love and partner.
2: Right, and at the beginning, we're going to go ahead and tell you This is not a solution. This is not an episode telling you how to do something or that we've got an answer for things more so than more so that we were talking about what does it look like? What are we facing? And maybe even the differences with the pandemic that are happening today. Yes, yes. So we've talked about grieving and loss before, but we didn't necessarily talk about losing a romantic partner and what that's like. Um, And disclaimer, again, most of this research is about married, cis, heterosexual couples. Um, And unfortunately, it's not because we don't want to talk about it. It's because A, the lack of research. B, uh, sometimes there's a refusal for acknowledging these other relationships as being legitimate as we want to say we do, and, um, but just to put it out there. And it largely, it's, again, focused in the Western world and the U.S., but we really do want to come back and look at all of this in other countries. Um, India, for example, has the most widows, so we do want to have a bigger conversation, but kind of just slowly drawing it out. And again, as you heard, this is a really difficult topic, so I feel like yeah. these need to be done in small increments. Yes, and
1: we'll probably bring it back as a classic soon. Um, But Kristen and Caroline did an episode on uh, the widowhood effect a while back, and we're going to talk about that a little bit in here. But um, if you are looking for more information on this and the history of it too, then that would be an excellent resource for you. And one thing I did want to include in here, because I honestly was confused about this, and I just never had the real impetus to look it up, What's the difference between widow and widower? So from Grammarist, quote, a widow is a woman whose spouse has died. The word usually refers to a bereaved woman who has not remarried. Widower is simply the male equivalent of widow. It refers to a man who has lost his spouse and has not remarried. The word comes from Old English where widow was widow you and widower was widow That's probably not how you pronounce it, but my Old English is a little rusty, believe it or not.
2: It's better than what I would have done, so good job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we did try to get to the bottom of that. For the most of this episode, we are talking about women and widows, but sometimes people do use them interchangeably, so it can get confusing still. But uh, we'll try to specify where those cases are.
2: So, yeah, and... um Going to some stats, there are about 13.6 million widows in the U.S., and every year about 700,000 women are widowed. About 11 million of those 13.6 million are women, and women are four times likelier to outlive their husbands in heterosexual contexts. The gap gets worse with age, and when we look at the 85 and older category, the number of female widows is almost double that compared to men, and female widows are less likely to get remarried. Not that That means you can't find meaningful relationships outside of marriage, but there are less men to choose from. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And over half the widows in the U.S. are under 65.
1: Right. So when when we look at this, um, the loss of a romantic partner is a life-altering traumatic event. It's like losing a piece of yourself. The Holmes-Ray Life Stress Inventory classifies, quote, death of a spouse as a 100, and that's the highest score possible, The grieving process that follows is messy and confusing and painful, and it looks different for everyone. Anger, survivor's guilt, confusion, difficulty concentrating, quick to tears, inability to sleep or eat or make a decision, and there are probably a lot of big decisions that you need to make in that time. All of those things are a normal part of mourning. It is not a linear process. There are good days and there are bad days, and it never completely goes away. You don't completely get over it, as they say. Small things like smells, foods, items others might see as unimportant suddenly become the most important thing. Your life plans are put on hold indefinitely or sometimes even go
2: out the window entirely. Right. Multiple studies have found that losing a partner is one of the most likely events to lead to depression. It is a huge cause of life stress and leaves those grieving susceptible to chronic stress that can lower life expectancy. Some studies suggest heartbreak can cause stroke or heart attack in a small number of people, problems which are exacerbated with age. And for some, the depression and stress become so entrenched for so long, psychiatrists sometimes can't tell those symptoms apart from major depressive disorder. MDD. There's even a footnote about it in the DSM-5. Further complicating this is the vast variety of symptoms and many that differ depending on the nature of the loss. Like, was it sudden? How was the relationship prior? Things, things like that factor into how grief manifests.
1: Yes. Um, and I know I've said it before. One of my favorite quotes from Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the episode Her Mom Dies and Buffy asks Tara... Uh, about her her mom's death. And Buffy asks, was it sudden? And Tara kind of pauses and she says, it's always sudden, Um, which I love. And and we we have talked about um, the complications, the health complications of heartbreak before pretty recently if you want to go check that out too. A study looking into the likelihood of developing severe depression after the death of a partner found that one of the most reported symptoms was loneliness and that the loneliness triggered other depressive symptoms that are very hard to break free from. However, it did find that only a minority of people developed severe depression. Those dealing with this type of loss are also at a higher risk of engaging in unhealthy coping behaviors like alcohol, drugs, and in general, not taking care of yourself. Suicide is also a risk Widows are 2.5 times likelier to kill themselves as compared to the general population in the first year after the loss. There are increased risk of dying from car accidents, cancer, heart attacks, and strokes, like we said earlier. Um, And all of this collectively is called the widowhood effect. A meta-analysis on this from 2012 found that compared to married people... Widowhood was associated with an increased risk of death of up to 22%. This is most pronounced in young widows, classified as in their 40s and 50s, but the numbers are pretty much the same for younger widows. They're just rarer. The first three months after being widowed, the surviving partner's risk of death has been documented as high as 66%. Although the numbers do vary pretty significantly when you separate out uh, the health of relationship, how the person died, and the type of negative outcome, those are still some pretty stark numbers over at the globe and mail Christina Frango wrote about her experience becoming a widow at 36 and it's incredibly painful but really moving piece Um, and in it she describes being a widow like being cast in a role that she was not prepared for she didn't have this this tool she needed to do this Um, and yeah just when you share your life with someone like that and and then they're not there anymore how there are all these things that that means and all these reminders every day um and I, yeah it was really it was a really beautiful thing
2: right we've also discussed how women are likelier to have a support group which is one of the best things to help someone through grief from an actual 2014 study Quote, sudden unexpected deaths of wives will be more harmful for men than expected wives' deaths as men gain more from marriage and may need more assistance compensating for the loss of a wife. The opposite will occur among wives. Women may provide more care to spouses with chronic conditions, which may have harmful effects on their health.
1: Yeah, so just to reiterate, that is from a 2014 study. That's not like it was from the 60s, 70s. (laughs) 2014. Uh, But anyway, we do have some more for you listeners. But first, we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
0: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Life is busy. There are so many things on your to-do list with so little time to do them. And you're always thinking about others' needs before thinking of your own. Trust me, we understand.
2: And we're
1: back. Thank you, sponsor. And we did want to touch on the point that the listener who suggested this made about people wanting to fix you after the loss of a partner. Because I, at least in my research, I noticed that Google seems to confirm that that is very much a thing with all the top results for losing a partner being articles about how to, quote, get over it or work through it. Which makes sense when you see someone you care about hurting, you want to help. But there is no easy fix. Um Like, I can't imagine finding an article, just, here are your seven steps and you'll be fine. Right. Yeah. Uh, One of the top suggested searches were, how long does grief last after the death of a spouse, which I thought was also enlightening. Um, Studies suggest that widows lose up to 75% of their support group after a loss, and many describe feeling invisible and and sort of people are there for you maybe in a month to three months right after, but then Mm -hmm. they drop away and not knowing how to deal with you or how to approach uh, your grief or mentioning this lost partner and sort of fading away because of that. Right, right.
2: So while social support is a huge help, it's often not quite enough. Many need therapy, just as a reminder. Whether or not they have access to it, that's a whole different story. So that that's something that we should be talking about as well, access, but I digress. And it is true that after such a really big significant loss, people in your social circles might start thinking of you as the girl who lost her partner. And like the listener said, which makes it harder to move on which because it's a constant reminder that just hangs and looms over. And on top of that, people try to get to suss out if you're grieving correctly and how you're doing it and what you're doing and if it's not okay and how it's okay. But things like, are you too sad? Um, Not sad enough? Which can make you feel really self-conscious. And then when it comes to dating other people after loss, there's judgment and guilt there too. Um, I couldn't imagine because you have to be like, oh, I have to wait just so long enough or I've, you know, did this not long enough. How? I couldn't imagine trying to pick back up.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and I feel like, there would be not only would you have those external people judging you and worry about that, but even I would guess you feel quite conflicted
2: yourself. Right. There's a lot, definitely a level of that guilt.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and there's so many layers of that too. Like, did you have children? Did you have a house together? All these things <laughs> factoring in. And, and like we said, you know, that you're going to have good days and bad days. So it's not as if you've suddenly reached a point and you have, quote, moved on, or it is right. okay, um, that, that could bounce all over the place.
2: Right. And again, it's also like work. Have you come back to work too soon? Did you come back in time? I know I've definitely seen uh, moments where you see bosses not being understanding enough, mm-hmm. you know, or or just having the will to do so. What does that look like?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and th- these are all things just s- like a storm inside of you. And going back to dating, uh, this... <laughs> it's just a whole a whole can of worms. Because uh, there are those feelings of guilt around being happy with someone else, about not doing more date activities with your partner when they were alive, um, sharing a home you and your partner built with someone else. So you uh, I read a lot of articles where people are saying I had questions like, what do you do with pictures of you and your partner? When is the right time to take them down? Is there ever a right time to take them down? What do you do with their stuff? When do you put that away? Do you donate it? If you're married and you have a ring, do you take off the wedding ring? If you have kids, when do you introduce them to someone new? And how do you manage taking care of them by yourself when you're struggling so much with all of this grief? And then the kind of external questions of, you know, people thinking, like, how could you ever be happy with someone else? Right. I thought you had true love. That's okay. only a once-in-a-lifetime thing, which is not true, and we'll talk
2: about that more in a
1: minute. But Right.
2: And uh, I don't know. I've actually read recently um, the Reddit forum called Am I the Ass?" Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a big question, and this dude who—his they the, his wife wasn't married to him, but she was engaged to him, and she had the ring. And something happened where it came out about, and he— I think either gave it away, threw it away or something because he was so tired of her grieving over this man. And I was just like, oh my God. Oh. And it wasn't like she was grieving. It was something to do with the anniversary of that time of the mm-hmm. death or something. And he was just so, I was just so taken aback. I was like, my "God!" <laughs> but then that's the other question is if you do have a new partner,
0: mm-hmm.
2: how do you make sure they feel secure? Hopefully they would be secure, but that, that those questions and guilt also float about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's true, as we were saying, studies have found people judge widows dating more harshly than we do divorcees. So that's a whole big question, which is kind of like, what? We don't, okay. And (laughs) back in Victorian times, women who could afford it were expected to wear widows' weeds and limit their appearance in public for at least a year, usually more than two and a half years. And if going out was necessary, they had to cover their face with a veil. Um, And we found an ad for London General Morning Warehouse, For this very thing. Yeah. Which blew my mind. (laughs) It's phenomenal. I do think about um, the old Victorian movies where there's always that woman Mm -hmm. who's lost her husband and Mm -hmm. shamed but she's the rebel because she came out too early and it was like
1: Year after. You, you travel in different movie circles than I. I do. It's true. It's true. I, I will trust that it's true. Uh, I, my, my reference would be more like horror movies where the ghost is like a widowed woman.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was I definitely just watched a really bad horror movie where he was a widower, now that I know the correct term. Mm-hmm. And what happens with grief? <laughs> there are a lot of them out
1: there because we're afraid. <laughs> we're afraid of grief and grieving. Women, people in general, but especially grieving women. We don't know what to do. Uh, Similar to what we talked about in our love episode, our pop culture is big on that idea of, yeah, the one. And that can be extremely upsetting if you lose your partner. Psychologists write about being in love with two people at once if you find a new love after you've lost your partner. The person who is gone and the one who isn't. Dating someone new does not mean that you are over it. And Pat Oswalt described this whole situation as getting struck by lightning twice of finding uh, love again, which was really, really beautiful. Um, and I didn't know this. Uh, I didn't know widowed was a status on dating apps. And a lot of people were describing uh, whether or not like feeling guilty for saying single, but they didn't want to say widowed because they felt like then people avoid them or like come in with all this expectation there's going to be baggage and stuff. So that's a whole added thing. <laughs> Once you enter the dating world.
2: It's very intricate, those titles in dating apps. Oh my gosh, it sounds Uh, stressful to me. (laughs) Me too. Um, And since a healthy long-term relationship involves splitting of responsibilities, the surviving partner may have to learn how to manage those things that their partner took care of. And I will say my mother would be one of those. that They're very, very specific responsibilities between my mom and my father. Yeah. Um, and if one of them would die, it would be a lot of readjustment for them. Yeah, um, And then come the practical things like making sure you have a will, putting any property under your name if necessary. Holidays become painful too, and ridiculously painful. Household income drops by around 40% after the death of a spouse, and if we look specifically at elderly women compared to the rest of the population, they're twice as likely to be living at or below the poverty level in the U.S., And poor men are more likely to die as compared to men who aren't poor, meaning more widows are coming from poor households.
1: Yes, and there's also stigma that might be a factor if the partner died of suicide or in prison, for instance. And um, I'll say since my dad died, I've seen a lot of this with my mom, Uh, primarily guilt, a lot of guilt, and um, almost a PTSD around other people she loves dying or or Mm. getting sick. Uh, probably every time I talk to her, that comes up. Um, especially, I mean, right now, during right. a pandemic, she'll, like, I could mention in passing, I had a headache or something, and she's just so concerned about it. Um, so I've, I've seen it play out with her, a lot of the stuff we're talking about. Um, and we do have a little bit more for you. But first we have a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
0: Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Life is busy. There are so many things on your to-do list with so little time to do them. And you're always thinking about others' needs before thinking of your own. Trust me, we understand. Any of you listeners are going through, we are so, so very sorry. Um, And we know that it's incredibly painful and lonely. And probably the last thing you want is advice. And you've heard it all before. We're going to include some of the key things people say. But yeah, there's really not a set system (laughs) that's going to fix everything. Experts recommend allowing yourself to grieve in your own time and in your own way. Don't compare your experience to others, taking things one step at a time, not rushing, reaching out to your support system, things like that.
2: Right. And just to add, just another podcast uh, that talks about grief, talks about the breakdown of the grieving process that we know, the anger, all of that, the acceptance, um, which could also be a more of a misconception. The actuality and to remember grief and mourning is an individual thing. And people do not react the same way. So there's no right way to the mourning process and to give yourself and others the freedom to deal as they need to in a healthy manner, I hope. Um, It's especially hard right now uh, when we're having to social distance and things are closed, making it hard to adhere to some of the traditional advice like joining an exercise class or a group. Or going to support groups, um, which, by the way, they do happen virtually. So you can find those. um, Or even the on uh, face to face therapy that most Mm -hmm. of the people need. Again, that is available virtually. But that also has a question of if it's the lower income, what is available? Yes. um, And how much access do you truly have? Oh, yeah. I mean, like,
1: also the internet conversation, too, because I feel like that's getting left out a lot when people are like, well, virtually, not everyone has access to the internet.
2: Right, right. And I think that's just a reminder of, first of all, this is a really bad circumstance. Secondly, this is an awkward time and and really difficult time, and you put all those together. There's no right way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, if someone you know is going through this,
1: uh, be there for that person. Offer practical ways you can help if you can. Uh, you know, don't say, Let me know if you need need anything. Say, I can drop off groceries at this time. Is that okay? But do check. Uh do check with them. Uh don't change the subject if they talk about grief or are their partner who they lost. Don't say things like, They're in a better place or I know how you feel, unless you've gone through loss of a partner. Um, keep checking in, things like that. Another thing we need, more research. Recently, there has right. been a push to do research into partner loss and LGBTQ plus relationships, particularly when it comes to issues like lack of support due to a non-disclosed relationship. Almost all of the research, as we said, has been on cisgendered, heterosexual, monogamous couples, which leaves a lot, a lot, a lot of people out. And more research is going into the intersection of race and widowhood. Black people are more likely to be widowed compared to white people by about 10 percentage points. Uh, And since we know that the gender wage gap is worse for women of color, that manifests for widows of color as well in terms of their financial situation after they lose a partner.
2: And this also goes for polyamorous relationships, the lack of research, all of that. In one article, a blogger begins with the fact that they had begun their polyamorous relationship in the 70s, which was fairly new to come out and embrace. And then they kind of progressed into what does it, now that it's been established and we know that it works, what does grief and loss look like because they are slowly coming on to an older age, more health complications. I think one of the um, bloggers talked about a group who had lost someone to a heart attack and and stuff like that and a stroke. And just what grieving looked like for them as a community, uh, which has always been, together and has been tight knit for them and in it they specifically talk about loss and remembrance and making the statement that they do have others that can help take on the burden of loss unlike that of a monogamous relationship but with that they also feel lost more often or on multiple scales and kind of that same conversation we had before they're not able to recognize it and sometimes they're not being recognized as a partner if it's not a primary relationship and it is really interesting to see how grief and loss works for them
1: and we should mention here too that uh, the fact, there isn't a lot of research on what grief looks like within poly relationships um, due to the fact that it is often not recognized legally and sometimes socially, which only adds to the complications of how to grieve or what grieving can look like. It becomes tangled with the legalities that monogamous relationships typically do not have to think about. And then if you add to that, it isn't recognized, if it isn't recognized, Much like queer relationships, widows cannot or feel like they cannot publicly grieve or mourn. Right.
2: So for marginalized communities like this, there's the bigger conversation of uprooting the cis-conservative ideas of relationships to allow for the openness to celebrate the relationship and to grieve over the loss of it. And again, the legalities that will not allow for the recognition of these relationships. So... I think one of the biggest things is you can't really research until people acknowledge it as being a thing and it needs to be a conversation where our policies and and our uh, structure needs to change for them to be open and allow and have that research.
1: Yeah, um, there are so many layers to this conversation and uh, I'm glad that we are having it and we're expanding uh, the research. It's long overdue. Uh, (laughs) But thanks so much for the listener that sent this in. There are definitely pieces of this that we could expound upon if anyone's interested. If you think we should do, we should look more into a specific part of it. Uh, please let us know. You can email us at momstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can also find us on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You or on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. Podcast. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thanks. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
2: This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines.